Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Sports take. Whether it's breaking news or sports business, this is your home for unmuzzled and unconventional sports talk. With assistant general manager, director of player personnel, and three-time world champion on his resume, David Turner has a thing or two to teach you about pro football. At his side is Ryan Roberts, former college football player, football coach, and NFL Draft Bible's director of scouting. Together, they're here to take you on a deep dive into what goes on in the world of sports. Ryan and David, take it away. Welcome, everyone. Thank everyone for listening to Mavs Sports Take, the first few episodes you have missed last week. David and I worked through the NBA, NHL, playoffs, big moments in MLB, and our picks for NFL and NCAA football. We covered all the major sports this past week. Coming this week, we will be hosting an all-star panel to discuss the high school seniors for 2021 and how the NCAA is giving 2020 seniors an extra year of eligibility. A really interesting topic that we provided you all with a panel of industry professionals, high school coach coming on potentially, former college athlete, director of uh, um, player personnel for a Division One football team. So we have all bases covered. We're going to dive in there with us tonight. Those individuals are former NFL running back and Utah standout player and now coach at Weber State. Um, Mr. Quentin Ganther, who's a running back, had a cup of coffee in the NFL, was an excellent football player at the University of Utah. Joining him, we'll have also have ex-NFL scout and current director of player personnel at the University of Illinois, James Kirkland, who is a repeat interviewee on this show, a repeat guest. Happy to have James back on, and we're going to be running out the panel tonight, hopefully with head co- football coach for College Park High School, Mr. Mark Spinelli. David, we have a jam-packed show tonight, some awesome guests. We're going to get to, obviously, the college football NFL world as well, but uh, how are you doing tonight, my friend, and what are we looking forward to tonight? No, I'm I'm Jack. You know, I'm really looking forward to the whole show. I hope everybody buckles up and gets ready to to stick with us the whole time because we're going to cover, like you said, a lot of stuff. But the most important conversation will be with our panel talking about high school sports and how the NC2A decision to give the 2020 senior class that was uh, majorly affected by the pandemic an extra year of eligibility and how that's going to subsequently you know, shoot ripples through recruiting. And, um, you know, if all our panelists are able to make it on tonight, it's going to give a really unique view having, um, you know, an NC to a major university in Illinois, uh, Weber State, FCS, and a high school coach. So this way everybody can see rounded out how it's going to affect and trickle down through all the ranks of football in, in the coming, not only next year, but probably coming two or three years. And before we welcome our guests in, we want to catch up on a couple topics 
this past weekend. College football, NFL topics here. Miami versus Louisville. I think on this show, if I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure I picked Louis, uh, Louisville to beat Miami. And I'm pretty sure you much. said Louisville had more speed than Miami. Uh, I still maintain that. It just wasn't the best played game by Louisville. I'm going to stick to my guns here. I just picked the wrong team, David. It's okay. It's all right. Um, <laughs> David, general takeaways from that game for me, the offensive explosive um, firepower they have on Cameron Harris at running back, Brevin Jordan at tight end, the quarterback, Derek King, the transfer from Houston was dynamic all night. As a passer, he didn't really have to run the ball much because their playmakers were all over the field. Uh, what were just some general takeaways from yourself um, from that game and why Miami was able to come out on top over Louisville? You know, when I saw it was on the defensive side of the ball, I saw a tenacious pass rush. I saw them penetrating and changing the line of scrimmage. I saw the Miami front really giving the Louisville offensive line some fits and getting the quarterback off the spot, uh, making him not just be comfortable back there. And they really did uh, bottle up the running backs, and, and they didn't give much room. So for me, it was really fun to watch the Hurricanes go out there and play the defense that I love watching the Hurricanes play. Absolutely. And I forgot to mention, I have to, because we have such a great young fan base in the only seventh show in the history of Mav Sports Take. Have some followers following along on Twitter at my Twitter handle at Rise and Draft watching the live right now. I want to thank everybody so much. We'll be taking live questions. If you have anything that you want to throw in the chat, also have, of course, our mailbag section at the end. So I want to thank you all so much for taking some time with us tonight. Another game on the college side that I enjoyed. You know, we were actually texting um, in our group chat a little bit about this before the game even start, and that was Duke against Boston College. Boston College's first game of the season after Duke had their opening season lost to Notre Dame. 26-6 decisive victory from Boston College. David, when you were taking a look at that game and just the general um, just the general background of it, what stuck out? What stood out to you as far as the deciding factor in that twenty-six to six Boston College victory? You know, Boston College is a physical team, which I wasn't expecting to come out and first play. You know, of the game, I mean, they just kind of manhandled Duke. I mean, Duke, I thought had a really good fighting chance. Uh, you heard me say that last week because of what I saw them do to Notre Dame, and they competed really hard against Notre Dame. And next thing you know, I mean, just Boston College just came straight out and started um, putting you know, top physical physicality onto them and really was out just people moving and, and making sure they were dominant physically, which was impressive to me uh, right out the shoot. I couldn't believe the physicality on both lines of them on uh, both offense and defense. So, you know, when they, when you handle the trenches as well as they do, then they, um, then they're obviously going to come out to win. And that defense on Boston College was flying around like their hair was on fire. I mean, they were rallying to the ball. They had two and three people guys, uh, they're tackling each time, and they got an impressive front seven there. It's going to be interesting to see how the season unfolds and how they play it out. Did uh, did seeing Mr. T uh, Mike Vrabel's son, Tyler Vrabel, at right tackle make you feel old at all? You know what? As all these kids, uh, like I was telling you earlier, like Sam Madison's son is playing for, you know what, uh, Alabama or whatever, and I, I'm like, I remember this kid as a freaking – or sorry, Pat Sertain's kid, that's who it is. I remember this kid was, you know, freaking – knee high to me and I'm only five four when I when I was in Miami and now he's you know playing and possibly a number one pick in the 
NFL draft type, you know, conversation player. And it's just, it's insane to see a lot of the, these uh, daddies being proud uh, papas now. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll say the Boston college, one thing, and you know, I always got to inject some Notre Dame flavor into here. I was happy to see Mr. Phil Dracovic in his first start, starting quarterback for Boston college, 300 yards, two touchdowns. That tight end they have too, Hunter Long, is a heck of a player. But Phil Dracovic, uh, who is a guy that, you know, even though Ian Book was entrenched as the starting quarterback for Notre Dame, has been a guy that I was pounding the table for to get an opportunity. And I'll tell you what, I'm going to throw a hot take out there early on in the podcast. Don't count out Mr. Phil Dracovic, even though he's only going to be a first-year starter here at Boston College, if he's a name that might enter the 2021 NFL draft discussion at some point this fall. Incredibly talented player, 6'5", 230-plus pounds, supposedly runs in the 4'7", has a rocket for a right arm. So I am excited to see him. And we don't traditionally see Boston College with uh, talented passers of this caliber. So I haven't seen one since Matt Ryan. And even even in this situation, Phil Dracovic is that dual-threat quarterback that can move the, move the chains with his legs, unlike a Matt Ryan who's a traditional pocket passer. So really fun game. Boston College looks like they have a heck of a team. Um, and we'll see if they can make some headway in the ACC this year. Move into the NFL games that we want to recap real quick. Seattle, New England. This was a fun one. This was a really, really fun one. Cam Newton came to play. Russell Wilson had five touchdowns and only seven inter, um, seven incompletions during the game. It was a really well um, – it was a great offensive output from both, from both teams. Defenses, you know – in spurts, right? Uh, obviously, Seattle had the stand there that really decided that game uh, on Cam Newton near the goal line. David, that game though was a whole lot of fun. It's it's a, it's a, honestly a joy to finally see Cam Newton healthy and playing well again. And then obviously, Russell Wilson's a joy a joy to watch. Uh, what are some general takeaways from that game, and how much did you enjoy watching the Cam Newton rebirth of, of late? Well, Russell Wilson for MVP the first two weeks. I know we can't take much away from Josh Allen and, you know, what we're seeing out of Jacksonville. But seriously, Russell Wilson, I mean, I think he's had, what, 11 intercept or eleven incompletions uh, in the first two games. And he's passed just so many times. It's ridiculous. Um, and, you know, five different – I think he threw five different touchdowns to five different re- – or five different receivers for touchdowns the other night. So, I mean, Russell is just being on top of his game. It's ridiculous what we're seeing out of him. That defense is just flying around. It, but, you know, I will say this. Cam is surprising me with where his ball location is. He's throwing some really friendly balls to the receivers. When he's missing, he's missing high or he's missing, uh, you know, where the, uh, their interceptions won't be thrown, which is just smart ways to throw the ball. It's either put in a place for your – your receiver to get a hold of it or just throw it away or put it in a place where they can't, the defender won't be able to get it. Edelman. I mean, come on, can we say enough about Edelman the other night? I and mean, that guy was exhausted. I think he was asleep before he hit the locker room after that game. It was, it was just so impressive. He, he caught everything. He did things he usually doesn't do, which is stretch the field, go down, go get vertical. I mean, he was doing everything that offensive asked him to do. Um, at the end, I tell you that last play of the game, I was really surprised they didn't go to an RPO and throw the ball or um, sneak a back out of the backfield, do some kind of rolling thing where either Cam had a run or a throw option because they were so stacked on that side. They were just waiting for that play. It really was surprising to me Josh McDaniel didn't dial up an RPO or 
or something where Cam rolled out and had a, an option to either run or, you know, or throw some kind of thing because, you know, they were just stacked up and they just sold out to stop that play. Um, and again, it, it was an impressive, fun game all the way down to the last play. That's what we, that's what we live for as fans is to watch that kind of game, right? So it was great to see Bilicek and, and Pete Carroll you know, go back and forth like that again. You know, it seems like every time they get those guys line up, they go back and forth like that. The two oldest coaches in the league. So, you know, it was really fun. Absolutely. And I, I would I would completely agree that I, I would I would have preferred Cam Newton to have that run pass option to have, you know, we're we're limiting to him to one opportunity, right? We we want him to have the football in his hand, obviously with how he was playing. Why limit him to only be able to do one thing? I want to give him that option on the goal line, as many options as possible, especially against what is a good front seven of Seattle. You had to think that they were going to be prepared to stop the quarterback power or at least expect some form of quarterback power option in that play. So definitely I was a little surprised on there as well. We had Dallas versus Atlanta. Man, is this just the? Are we just drumming the same drum every single week with Atlanta? Or at what point is this Dan Quinn thing going to stop? I mean, we even go back to the Super Bowl, obviously with the twenty-eight to three meltdown. This one, I think, was twenty-nine to ten meltdown. Uh, David, this is getting a, a very old story. Uh, were you impressed by Dallas's comeback? Were you just like, okay, Atlanta, this is just the usual Atlanta? What was kind of just your general premise after finishing this game? Well, up? check my Twitter feed. In the beginning, I was ripping Dallas for being at home and losing to the the Atlanta Falcons by like twenty six to three or whatever it was. I'm like, come on, Dallas, really? You got twenty one thousand fans there, and you're losing to Atlanta this way? Like, I couldn't believe it. But then, um, you know, Dallas just comes storming back in the second half. And it seems like they made some great halftime adjustments. Kudos to the whole coaching staff there. Kudos to Mike and everybody there because, you know, they just were, they dialed it in in the second half and that kick. I mean, that end, I mean, how does a special teams return team not know they attack that ball, bat it out of bounds, you know, jump on it? Uh, it doesn't have to go 10 yards for the return team to get it. It's just like run up and just jump on it. A couple of you guys surround the football. You don't have to wait for it to go 10 yards and boom, they're, they're just, it, it's just nothing. You know what I mean? I, there's no excuse for that. As a special teams coach, there's just no excuse for that. And, you know, for me, I was more impressed with Dallas's st- comeback, even though Atlanta found another way to lose a game. Like we said last week, they just seemed to find ways to lose. This, they went to halftime and, I think they just forgot to come out of the locker room. Yeah, and it's, um, you know, that hurt my heart so much as a former coach, you know, watching that. Because that's like something you talk about like freshman football, probably even before. We're talking like middle school football. What are we doing there? Last game to touch on really briefly because I definitely want to get the panel started here. New Orleans Raiders last night. New Orleans and the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, It was a 34-24 final. The Raiders win in decisive fashion. No Michael Thomas for New Orleans. Drew Brees played a very rough football game. Real quick, David, I know the Raiders are family to you. You are Raider through and through. Are the Raiders for real, or are we seeing a falling off of a bit for a a well-seasoned, we'll call, New Orleans Saints team? No, I mean, I think the Raiders are showing they're for real, especially that running game with, you know, 
Jacobs, I mean, he is a beast. He was moving the pile. His balance, body control, leg drive last night was just impressive as all heck. Um, and that tight end they got, I mean, heck, that sucker was uncoverable last night. He was definitely, you know, manhandling everybody. So it was a situation where they couldn't cover him. Jenkins struggled in every aspect of the game to, co- to cover and run stop in on the defense for, for, um, the, the Saints. So for me, you know, when I look at it, it's a situation where, you know, the, the Raiders are for real and we will, we will be seeing a lot more of them. Uh, and that defense looked pretty impressive last night at the end of the game too. beginning of the game, a little shaky, but they seem to make some, again, great in, in game adjustments and sewed up that defense and to stop, you know, Drew Brees as much as they did in the second half was really impressive. Absolutely. So without further ado, I want to bring in our panel for the night. Uh, We have a repeat guest on the show. I believe he was our first guest, and now he's our first repeat guest. So another trivia question here. I got Mr. James Kirkland, ex-NFL scout, current director of player personnel for the University of Illinois, and also joined here for the first time by former NFL running back and Utah standout and now coach at Weber State, Quinton Ganther. Uh, Fellas, how are we doing tonight, man? Appreciate James. Appreciate you coming back. And Quinton, I appreciate you coming on for the first time, friends. You're doing good, man. I appreciate you all having me again. How's it going, Coach Ganther? Good to see you again. Been a while. Good to see you, man. It's been a minute. Yeah, yeah. Well, we had a good time up there. Moving <laughs> <laughs> and everything. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I love bringing friends back together. Love bringing them back together here. <laughs> I love it. So, uh, Coach... Uh, James, we wanted to bring you both on here, obviously, because we wanted to get through some of these topics. Uh, When we did our intro here, David was talking a little bit about the eligibility for the 2020 seniors moving to 2021 from the high school ranks, uh, from the college ranks. Uh, Coach, I know that with everything that's going on, to my knowledge, uh, uh, Weber State is not playing football into the spring. Do I have that one correct? Yes, you do. Yes, and how, how has that changed everything on a day-to-day basis, just with the team activities, figuring out recruiting? What, is, what has it been like on a day-to-day kind of basis for you? I mean, we're, we're still continuing business as usual. I mean, we're practicing. We practice today. Um, the, the difference is, man, we can't get everyone on the field at once. So as a coach, it makes your days longer because you got to split the practices up. Um, and you got to split the meeting times up. So for coaches, it's, everything is double. You know, we're, we're double, you know, double the meeting times and we're double the on-field practice times because we got to, you know, do two different groups. And, you know, sometimes it hurts us because, you know, we don't have all the bodies for like special teams or for scouts. We don't have all those bodies. Um, but as far as going into the office on a day-to-day basis, we're in the office. We're still grinding. Um, recruiting is another thing we're trying to figure out because with the dead period now being January 1, it's like, man, we can't, you know, you're going to try to sign a couple kids that you've never even seen before, right. you know, and you don't want to, you don't want to put your stamp on that, you know, because if you sign a kid you've never seen before and that kid comes, comes in and he's not who you advertise him to be, that, it, you know, that falls on you. Right. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be tough. Oh. It's going to be tough, man. And what have you kind of been doing to supplement that for now? Obviously, you know, those those in-person visits, right? Those ability for them to come on campus, seeing them face-to-face, 
you know, kind of put a face to a name, right? Because we're watching film. I'm sure you guys are calling, FaceTiming, whatever it is. How have you, have you, has there been any added measurements that you guys have taken to maybe touch base more, or get a little more face-to-face contact? Has there been anything to supplement that lack of ability to see a, a, a recruit person to person? Well, what you have to really do is you have to go off of your true, true relationships that you have within your recruiting areas with guys that you trust. Um, I mean, the thing for me is, you know, I, I recruit Northern California, which is home for me, and I don't like to lead kids on. You know, I don't know if we're going to be able to take them or not. So it's like I don't want to build these bonds and relationships with these kids. And, you know, then I'm not able to take these kids. And I know how that feel to be disappointed and let down. So it's just tough all the way around. You don't know how to really proceed. Because if no one leaves, I mean, how many guys can you actually take? Yeah, talk about that. I mean, what I, you know, I'm I'm just an outsider looking in on your guys' world with this. But it seems like some of the kids that maybe are fifth year seniors that are going to finish up their masters or something as a six year might not be an NFL draft guy will stick around and then leave school with his masters done and not have any. Um, have any debt in school debt and they play it the smart way and they, you know, they continue to play football and they, that scholarship is now a lost scholarship. I've heard a couple of people that I talked to say that even walk-ons that they have went and uh, offered scholarships or potential scholarships from last year. Now without those scholarships being freed up, the, the walk-ons are mad about it because they're, they're not going to get their scholarships. So if you guys could both weigh in on this and tell me at your schools how you're handling these conversations and, and it, you know, the effects you see, this ripple effect, how it might happen not only this year, but next year in the recruiting class because they haven't extended more uh, scholarships here. Uh, I'll, I'll go first on that one. Um, just in terms of now with getting an extra year of eligibility, I mean, for the most part, it changes the way you manage your roster going into this next signing date, right? So in, in a lot of what you're doing is saying, all right, these guys are leaving. So we've got to, we've got to fill these certain, this some certain number of holes on the roster. Well, you can't really do that now. Now the jacked up part of it is, you know, a lot of us, you know, you got, you got, 15, 20 guys committed, right? So now you got to try to figure out, like, you know, how exactly are you going to accommodate all of that now? In, in our situation where, you know, we now we're going to be playing football, so now it, it maybe doesn't hurt us as much. But um, when you're talking about not playing football and then having to extend your, 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 um, your roster limits upward by 15 to 20 scholarships, that's a that's a pretty heavy thing. Now, I think it'll affect – I think the people that get affected, though, are really the high school kids. The high school kids coming in, some of those guys aren't going to get the opportunity they might have had if they could play football this year. There are a lot of guys that are pretty good juniors, that are borderline, that really could have helped themselves their senior year, that they might not even get a shot now, right? Or they end up at, you know – Small small school you, you know what I'm saying? Not calling anybody's names. But you end up at small school you when you could have been at big state you. So those kids are going to take a little hit. The other place where kids are going to take a hit is the walk-ons. Young walk-ons coming out of high school, those guys are going to take a hit. Why? Because now you've got 
basically 20 to 25 extra scholarship guys on your roster. So the notion of, all right, now we're going to carry a roster of 145. Now it's just, it's just not realistic. So um, it, it changes the game quite a bit um, when you add the extra year of eligibility, but you know, Hey, that's the, this is a new situation. This has never happened before. So it's a different deal. And I, I would definitely love to get uh, both of your input on this as well. Kind of a, a two-part question here. Uh, so we saw, obviously, with the Big Ten originally planning on pushing everything to spring, a lot of players were choosing to transfer. We saw on the FCS level a lot of the programs that weren't playing, a lot of kids were choosing to transfer, Big Ten transferring. Uh, also, obviously, opting out, talking about some of those schools. Now, I know I don't think Illinois was affected by that before, obviously, the decision to go back to the Big Ten. But throughout this tough, you know, this, this tough um, sequence of events, what has been kind of your, your um, each of your perspective on the players that maybe were looking at options and deciding what to do? What was kind of the, the emphasis from you all to those players as kind of like an open form of conversation on what their best option would be for the year? Uh, well, for us, we, we didn't run into, um, you know, a lot of those issues because right now we're, we're preseason ranked number three in the country. Um, it's like, okay, well, where are you going to go? Okay, and if, if, you, if you do go somewhere, where, where are you going to go that's going to take care of you like we do? I mean, that's one thing that we do. We take care of our guys. Um, but we have had a couple guys decide to opt out. Now, this is when they have you by the balls because if they opt out, we have a kid right now, you know, I can't mention his name, but he chose to opt out and he'll never play football ever again. And not only that, he's on scholarship and we can't take his scholarship and he has not done one homework assignment all semester. So he's just getting, he's, and there's nothing you can do about it. You know, there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. But a good thing about our guys is we've had maybe three guys opt out. One was, you know, one pretty much hurt us, but the other two, I mean, we've had walk-ons opting out. Like, what are you doing? You're opting out what? You're not coming back. So where are you going to go? <laughs> you know, so it's, I, I think a lot of these kids, I don't know who they're listening to, but a lot of them are really, really misinformed on, on what's really taking place. And a lot of them don't even know what they, what it means to opt out, what they're opting out of, you know what I'm saying? So it's just weird, man. It is really weird. James, um, what's your take on that? Uh, sustained. That's not <laughs> sustained. Um, I, I would, I would add, Hey, look, I mean, again, this has never happened before. This hadn't happened in a hundred years. And it certainly had, it certainly hadn't happened during a time of, you know, during the popularity of college and pro tackle football as it is now. So, I mean, for, for us, for our program, it's been all about the health and the safety of the kids, right? Or well, not kids, the, the scholarship athletes. I mean, at the end of the day, like, you can opt out. We understand. You got to take care of your health. If your health is a concern in a period where everything's uncertain, we get it. But, I mean, they've done an excellent job here in terms of making sure that our players are safe, that we have all the testing in place that everything they need is here to be able to stay safe and take care of this thing. So we've had some opt-outs too, but, you know, 
I mean, it's not much you can it's not much you can do or say about it. And the, and, the, and the thing about the opt outs is when I say I think a lot of these kids are really misinformed. I mean, we've had we've had three we had three or four guys opt out, and none of them got a shot to play at the next level. I mean, they don't like like you're opting out of your football career forever. And I can see, you know, if you have real underlying health issues, then we understand that. But like, what are you opting out for? Like, what are you? Because we've had plenty of meetings, and everyone said they're not scared of catching the virus. You know, they they want to play, but then you opt out. You know, we have one guy opt out, but he's about to graduate. And we understand that because he wasn't going to play for us anyway. <laughs> you know, so he did us a favor. But you know, just some of these guys, man. I think a lot of these kids should really educate themselves on what they're doing if they really want to play football or not because some guys that are opting out, they'll never play football ever again. And that's the sad thing about it. How do you think – I want to turn this more towards – because when I was talking to Coach Spinelli before the this came on um, and we came on, I was talking to him about how he felt the call, uh, high school kids – right now are just if you're not a top 300 kid you're probably not getting a scholarship next year because there's just like there's no extra film to show your development the combines have been shut down the ability to you know develop and get better but also you know there's just not enough scholarships to go around this year to get everybody in into school where you might see 900 kids get scholarships he really thinks it's going to be top 300 at best um, getting in and so ju- they'll have to go juco route and some kids might just not play football in college because it's so difficult or their parents don't have the money to get them on and like you said james earlier you know 140 man rosters are are just not impossible especially if economics at the college level are taking a hit the way they're showing you know i was already dropped four programs and i believe the university of utah correct me if i'm wrong q but i think the university of utah furloughed their whole coaching staff for a while there and texas has furloughed their guys so utah furloughed athletic program right and that's what i'm saying so if the money's not there you can't extend roster and and up to 140 so how does this impact the the high school kids i want to give all the high school kids your guys's knowledge on this and their parents and their coaches right now um both of you please answer that question to and educate these guys Okay, I'll go first on this one. Well, well, this is where it's going to really hurt and affect schools and affect these kids because right now, every university across the country are losing money. Everyone's losing a lot of money right now. Okay, and with that being said, for example, at our level, at the FCS level, you know, we're already losing money. And with us losing money, you know, for example, it may take us $25,000, to you know, to give a scholarship to a kid that's out of state. Okay, so if you're already losing money, how can you sign four or five out-of-state kids? Because you're taking dead weight. That's another six-figure hole that you're putting yourself in. And not only that, the NCAA is only giving you one year to be over. You know, from what I understood, they're giving you one year. So they're like, okay, we'll allow you to be over this year. Okay, but next year, you have to go back to everything as it was. So you're going to sign these kids for a year, lose money on signing them, and then tell them, oh, I don't have a scholarship for you. I got to get rid of you. Like, it's just going to, it's going to be a mess. I don't, I don't know how it's going to work. I, I honestly don't. Uh, 
for the for the high school kid, um, oh man, I, th there are no good answers. <laughs> no good answers for them. You know, I, I would love to tell you, hey, you, you know, your your film is going to shine through. Well, you know, it doesn't. It's not quite working like that. Everybody's not playing, you know. And so, when everybody's not playing, how do you evaluate them? If 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 you're a school that's one wanting to be a little bit careful about how you divvy those dollars out now, more than anything to what Quentin said earlier, like you want to be sure about what you're getting. Yeah. Like now you're evaluating kids like with, you know, you're taking, you're taking the bird in the hand rather than the two in the, two in the bush. That's the bottom line. So in a, in a lot of ways, if you haven't broken through, it's just going to be tough. Now, the good thing is some of these camps went on during, during the quarantine. Some of these camps went on. So some of these kids were able to show that, Hey, they had a skill set and there's, there's tape on some of that stuff. So that's good. But all in all, overall, it's not a ton of positives for young high school kids right now. It's not a ton of positives right now. I mean, and then, and then to piggyback off of that, I mean, how many of us have ever signed a kid that we've seen in, in bras and t-shirts, you know, right. we're not, we're not right. signing guys because they wouldn't had a good camp, you know? And, and that's the thing, like coaches, coaches want to be able to, they want to be able to smell a kid's breath <laughs> for lack of a better term. You know, they want to, they want to be able to know a little something about the kid. They want to be able to touch them a little bit. And this makes it very, very difficult you can do the virtual, you can do the Zooms and all of that kind of stuff, but it's not the same as actually sitting across from a kid and seeing him move and see see the scale of of his body live. It's, it's just, again, not a lot of good answers right now. It's just not. And that's why we wanted to bring it to the forefront with you guys tonight because I know – talking to high school coaches around Arizona, California that have that are friends and parents of kids that are graduating seniors and going into their senior year. And maybe their, their kids not playing. It's how do I get them noticed? How do I get on you know film? How do I get them on the radar? And like, you know, it's just no good answers. And I was, I was trying to get you guys to give me a good answer because <laughs> I didn't have any for them. I was sitting here going like, guys, I don't know, but I know a couple of dudes that might know, you know, and they're, and they're bald and bearded like me. So we'll bring them on and, and give them a chance to talk because, you know, we make this look good, but it's just saying, you know, <laughs> top 300 kids. Like if, if you're a top kid, there's, there, I mean, the school is going to go in debt for a top 300 kid. You know, that's just mm -hmm. how it is. But it's like, okay, if if you might have a kid who you think is a Mountain West caliber guy or a Pac-12 caliber guy on the West Coast, well, you know, you might take a shot on, you know, a Power 5 type of kid that's not getting the looks that he would have been if this wouldn't have happened. So everyone's going to be trying to shoot for the stars with this signing class. Mm -hmm. That is a good point. I, I want to take it uh, as we get to the end of the panel here on a slightly more positive note. I, I asked coach Ganther about the day to day of everything. Obviously James, I know 
you have to be excited to get some semblance of football moving forward here. Uh, what's it like being around the Illinois program on a day-to-day basis now that we have Big Ten football coming back in the near future? Well, I mean, obviously, you know, obviously everybody feels good about it. Um, the the thing that really makes you feel secure about it is the the testing apparatus. Like our training staff has done an excellent job with making sure that everybody's everybody's safe and that things are being done the right way. Um, in terms of the overall tenor of the program, I would say the, the I, I wish everybody, I wish every football person had a chance to work for a, a head coach like Levy Smith, where like it's just steady as you go all the time with as much, with as much uncertainty as we've had during this off season and, and this, this fall, like he has been as steady as you could be. And because of that, it it makes it a lot easier to maneuver and do the things that you need to do. Everybody, it just feels like everybody here has just been kind of in a good football position and ready to go in whatever direction is um called for. So our kids are our kids have been consistent and they've been competing. And so I I I I was very thankful to be with the University of Illinois with, with all of this popping off. So it's it's been it's been it's been a task, but it's actually been made easier by the culture here. And, and I want to ask real quick about Coach Smith for a second because we talked about him a lot the one time we had you on. I, David just mentioned about bald and bald in the in the beard type combo. Last time I saw Coach Smith, he had that wonderful. What full white beard? As he is that thing like twice the size now in quarantine? What's he rocking now these days? Um, um, I think uh, I think he, he jumped in the time machine and went a little bit backward. So <laughs> the beard, the beard, you know, don't don't expect the beard, homie. But he looks like he looks like he's back on the Rams sideline from back in the early two thousands. <laughs> nice. I thought him and Dave, I thought him and Letterman were going to have a competition with the white beards, seeing who's who's got bigger now. You know, I mean, his was groomed to the hilt, but you know, he moved, <laughs> he moved, he moved on, he moved on. Well, I want to thank you guys both personally for coming on, and sharing some light on this uh, high school thing and what you guys have been going through, and at the two different levels, which was great to give our audience, you know, exposure to the two different levels and what you guys were experiencing. I know both your coaching staffs are amazing. Every time I went to Weber state and sat with those coaches and Q, I mean, it's one, like, you know, James, it's one of the best visits on the West coast. And I mean, it's, it's an underrated visit at Weber. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's crazy, man. The atmosphere, man. And that's why kids don't want to leave here. You leave here, you talk to one of your buddies where he at, he gonna tell you to stay now. Yeah. It, and so I just appreciate you guys coming on and doing everything. Hopefully you guys get your, your packages and that we sent out to you to thank you guys and everything. But you guys each take a parting shot. Tell, tell us where to find you on social media. Tell us what you guys got going on. You know what I mean? Like, go ahead and take, take 30 seconds and let the audience know. Well, I make mine short and sweet. You can't find me on social media. I'm the only football coach in the country without Twitter and Instagram. Look, I'm low key. I'm, I'm behind the scenes moving. <laughs> how, how do you how do you keep how do you keep an eye on all your kids? Then, man, you're not you're not snooping on Twitter at all. Hey, hey, keep my ear to the streets. That's I how. I, that's that Oakland in them. That's that Oakland in them. That keep my ear to the street. That's that Oakland in them right there. I'm I'm feeling that. You know, I'm 
I'm super low key. I'm not overly active on social media. I'm more of a, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm into the tackle football piece of it, but I am at Big Kirk 94 on Twitter. So you can catch me there, but, you know, I, you know, I ain't going to sit here and say I'm going to play and DM with folk all day long. It ain't happening. So, <laughs> but you can find me there. You can, you can, you can reach for me and get me there. <laughs> Awesome. We, you we guys appreciate are the guys, best. We appreciate you guys so much, James. Awesome to have you on for a second time. Coach Ganther, pleasure to be able to talk to you for a few minutes here. Uh, you both uh, take care, and we hope to have you back on very soon here. Hey, it was an honor and a pleasure, man. Y'all keep doing it. I'll come back. Let me know. Good seeing you too, man. Absolutely, Ganther. I, I, I'm going to hit you. I'm going to find you. All right. All right, <laughs> All right fellas. Y'all be right. easy. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Oh, I love those two guys. Those guys are great, aren't they? Oh, it was absolutely wonderful. Again, we just had on James Kirkland, ex-NFL scout, current director of player personnel for University of Illinois. We got Mr. Quinton Ganther, former running back from the University of Utah, NFL running back, now coach at Weber State. Uh, David, they made they, they made uh, Weber State sound pretty nice, man. I need I need to get out there on a uh, scouting trail sometime soon. Oh, you definitely do. Weber State has a they opened up a brand new facility actually in the end zone. I think last year, and their their stadium's at the base of a mountain, and it's just majestic when you go there. Um, the town's a nice little college town. It's really fun, and like again, yeah, the 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 crowd's great. I mean, it's, they have an incredible actually cheerleading squad, like the, the dance squad and everything. They come out and it's like BYU almost, you know, when you've seen the BYU mascot going off on Twitter and everything, theirs is almost as good. So it's like, it's just fun. Like that whole, that whole visit and like Q and the whole staff are great. They sit and they meet with you when you're scouting and they talk to you and it's just an open visit. So you get all the information you need. It's so much fun. I, I really enjoyed going through there and, you know, Quinton and um, and I both a Bay Area guys, so we chop up about Bay Area sports and everything. When I'd go through there, and I scouted him when he was coming out of Utah uh, for the Raiders, so it was always fun to go back to those days and talk those talk that ball and stuff. So, you know, it's it's just fun and it's a great. It is a great visit. Yeah, and it was uh, what I really took from it is obviously the super informative, right? We always talk about unmuzzled. They were not. They were not sugarcoating anything. You know, there aren't a lot of answers still working through it. I think one thing, though, that Quinton said was that these players that were making the decision whether to opt out or enter the NFL, whatever it is, just from his perspective, we always talk about having a good support system around you. It sounds like he he was very honest. Some of these kids are not thinking enough. Some of these kids are not surrounding themselves with the right perspectives. Some of these kids are not thinking every move and making it a calculated decision. So um, I just it seems like a pitfall for some younger people that they uh, don't always think things through. They don't surround themselves with the best types of people. And I, I think it was very open and honest from Coach, Gan- Coach Ganther to, to voice that concern and um, that discrepancy, I guess, in some of these people's decision-making. And also what I, what I appreciated, were, I, I took, took two things away from it, really. First one, it almost reminded me of Amari. Uh, Amar, why is it always messing? Mr. Edwards from a few weeks ago. Armonte Edwards, right? From a few weeks ago, um, when he said when he was a young kid, he wouldn't be he wouldn't be scared of uh, playing and lining up. But now that he's a a dad and a and an older player, 
you know, veteran, he, he was, you know, he's not lining up for the CFL and he's, he told them even if they played, he wasn't going to play. Um, when they said their players were all, nope, we're playing, you know, that young men attitude We're we're not afraid of getting, being infected and everything. I really thought that, that brought me back to his conversation and the di- difference in mentality of, um, a college guy and a guy who gets paid to do it for a living um, as far as opting out. And the second part, which was, which was not sad, but it, it's sad because I can't think of another word was there's no true answers for college kids. You know, if you're not a top 300 kid right now, you heard them say it, you're, it's going to really be hard for you to get a scholarship at the D one level. And even schools like uh, Weber state are going to be very, very selective on, who they do because it's a financial decision. An out of school uh, state kid is a thirty thousand dollar decision. Uh, if you're in state and you can get a scholarship, that might be the path. I heard tonight to really try to get recruited is hit the states that you live in and those schools where it's a cheaper decision and they might be able to take you on and and um, it won't hit their pocketbook as much and get recruited there and play there for a year or two and then hit the portal and transfer somewhere else or whatever. I think a lot of JUCOs are going to get impacted because these kids have nowhere else to go. So they're going to go to JUCO and play ball. And um, it's, you know, like James said, 140 person roster is just not feasible. So it's going to, it's going to be really, and and again, you think about net and then like Quinton said, uh, they got to snap it back. They get one year to go over on their money and then they got to snap it back to reality, and that's going to be some hard decision. And how are you going to cut players or take scholarships? You can't. Like you know, it's it's just so hard for these coaches to to put their name and word out there for these kids, and and then a year from now have um have the struggle to pull it back or have to take it away or something. It, I really feel for all these high school kids going through it, but I, I'm glad these two men came on tonight. We're able to give them some perspective and hear from their mouth what's going on at their level. So hopefully the high school coaches, parents and athletes that listen tonight really got a little bit of what to expect when they make those recruiting calls and stuff are going, uh, going down this fall or in this spring too. Yeah. And, and that's something that I've just been really interested to continue to see is that ripple effect. You know, we, we have not seen the answers. We have not seen the full impact of what is happening. You know, is is there going to be somewhat of an increase in scholarships? Are more kids going to move? Are more people going to take advantage of that year of of eligibility? A lot of things get worked out here. We want to take a minute to stop and say thank you for having us in your ear for Mav Sports Take. If you want to hear more from the two of us, you'll definitely want to check out a season pass to our Friday Night Scout School. That's the weekly cast. Meet. Uh, that's the weekly class. David and I teach to anyone who wants to start watching football through a scout's eye. More and more you hear about West Coast-style offenses, but do you really know what that means? Join us in class for this week where we will be talking passing schemes, including the West Coast offense and the vertical passing game. Friday Night Scout School is your pathway to understanding football at a higher level. Talked a little bit about some takeaways from our panel of, of James Kirkland and Quinton Ganther. It was an awesome awesome ride through just the, the minds of People that have been in the scouting department, they've been in the player personnel department, they've been in coaching, they've been in the NFL, they've been everywhere. A lot of great perspectives there. We want to move into some season games because we have some SEC football that is starting up this weekend. Florida is going to take on Ole Miss. Uh, I'm excited for this one, man, because for the first time in a while, Florida is going into a season 
with a talented quarterback. It has been some time since this has happened. They have Kyle Trask coming back, Ole Miss uh, with Mr. Lane Kiffin, who David, I know, is very familiar with, first-year coach in there. David, what is your outlook on this game overall? Does Ole Miss and the Fighting Kiffins have a shot here against the University of Florida? Well, you know, I have friends on both staffs, and uh, I had an opportunity to talk to them this week, yesterday a little bit, and today. And I know that the Florida staff's really excited to finally get on the field. They feel that they have a they, – they really feel they have a national championship-style team with what they are have on defense, what their quarterback offers them on offense. They have weapons around the quarterback. So they're really excited to get out here and prove that this team can play. They're hungry to play. I know Lane and his crew are, you know, out to, you know, to – show that they're here in the SEC and they're 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 formidable even though his team isn't as talented as what you'll see Florida and other you know SEC teams he I think he's he's gonna he's got a lot of energy and I think he's engaging the players well down there at Ole Miss and the players seem to be buying in from what I'm hearing out of that camp so it should be a very high energy game I don't think Ole Miss is gonna have the horses to keep up with Florida I think Florida actually wins and is and wins it decisively, but I think Ole Miss will show heart and compete till the end. And so, you know, and that's something I know I saw with Lane his first year at the Raiders. He really tried to compete and give all the players opportunities to compete uh, all the way to the end of game to show that we they weren't giving up. So I think you're going to see that same kind of mentality with him here at uh, in this game. Well, Coach Kevin certainly has a talented quarterback, sophomore John Reese Plumley, who's a very nice dual threat option. Uh, ran all over LSU last year in their game uh, that Ole Miss actually kept tight for a while there um, until they faded, obviously, against the eventual national champs. A couple guys in Florida to keep an eye out for. I already mentioned Kyle Trask, the quarterback. Tight end Kyle Pitts, potential first-round pick. Kadarius Toney, very talented gadget receiver. Uh, can do a lot of things, reverses, jet sweeps. He's got a lot of talent in open space. And then on defense, I'm expecting a big breakout from Ventrell Miller, their linebacker, and I am infatuated with their defensive end outside linebacker, Jeremiah Moon, who is all of six foot six, 240-plus pounds on the edge, David. He's a very talented player. He's on the edge. I didn't say he's an edge player. He is on the edge of the offensive line, okay? Now we're moving into LSU, the defending national champs. Miles Brennan taking over for Joe Burrow, taking on Mike Leach and Mississippi State. KJ Costello transferring over from Stanford. Should be an interesting game. I'm not really sure what to expect from Mike Leach in his first game in the SEC. I mean, obviously he's done incredible things with Texas Tech and Washington State of recent, but you're taking that air raid system into a conference that is known for strong defense going into the SEC. I think there might be some a little bit of an adjustment period. David, am I wrong to assume that Mississippi State probably it's just probably a little too early to compete with the defending national champs? I I do. I think it's going to be an interesting game. I I'm looking forward to see what LSU looks like now with uh players opting out, players opting back in, um how much practice time they've had together to gel and be ready to go. So I'm I'm kind of curious to see what LSU really puts on the field. I, I think they are the more talented team as well as I think they're a really sound coach team, obviously at Ordron, 
you know, I love the guy. I mean, who doesn't? The guy coaches with from his heart and his soul. I mean, football just flows through his his veins. I mean, this is a guy that when he walks in the room, you know he's a football coach, and when he leaves the room, he's educated the room more on football. It's just impressive this this what this guy does. So you know, I, I'm excited to see what he brings to the table. But I think him and I think you give Leach two years, and that that air raid system could be really impressive there, getting his right players in. But I think it'll still be a good offensive game. I think. Leach is going to put up points and they're going to air it out. You're going to see him make mistakes, but I mean, it's, I think they might surprise you a little bit. It'll be closer than uh, maybe people expected. It's not going to be a blowout in my opinion. I think you know that both these teams are going to be well coached and fighting hard all the way through it. But um, at the end of the day, I think Orgeron and, and them tigers uh, are going to come out on top, which will make Mur- Murphy happy because you know, Murphy, all he does is scout LSU and then promote LSU being down there in in New Orleans. Yeah, I heard, I heard your uh, picks for awards on um, on the state of football the one day, and I think he picked an LSU player for every single pick, which was <laughs> yeah. He went through all the rosters and he was just like best LSU player for each one of these positions. I'm picking them. I was like, you're such a hometown homer. I love you, John, but still, you're a hometown homer. So. And I know you have the best Al Davis impression of all time, David. I need to ask, do you have an Ed Orgeron um, impression? Do you need to go get some peanut butter or something? I don't have an Ed. I'll have to work on that for you. I don't have one. I I mean, his Cajun accent and everything is just wonderful. I mean, you sit there and watch him get on a grease board and talk ball and, you know, coming in. I mean, he's just so intense and everything. And, I mean, I don't know if you watched the 60 Minutes uh, episode the other night where he was talking about it. And, you know, again, I think – I think the man is doing his best under these the adversity. I think all these men are doing their best under the adversity that they've been, you know, dealt right now and in this season. It's just hard for uh, anybody to be on top, you know, at this point. But I like LSU in this one. I think LSU will be, you know, again in the in the contention for national championship at the end of it because Ordron's going to have him coached up and and ready to go. Yeah, like James Kirkland said, this is something that nobody's ever dealt with. So I feel like everyone is just kind of learning as they go here. The game that we want to move on to next is Alabama and Missouri. Post-Tua uh, era, we got a little taste of Mac Jones late the, uh, the end of last season after Tua went down with his hip injury. Uh, Nick Saban, obviously, with what he has built there and consistency at Alabama is something of note. Uh, Missouri has... A very good defense coming back. They have a linebacker named Nick Bolton that I'm a big fan of. Kobe Whiteside, defensive tackle, is a very talented player. They quietly had a top, I think, 15 defense in college football last year. Just not much offense to work with. Uh, David, I, I think I have to take Alabama big here. What is kind of your thought process on this game? Well, you know, I, I'm with you. I think Alabama wins big by... Mizzou, to me, with that top 15 defense, don't sleep if it's closer than we're both anticipating because that defense, that linebacker crew, I think there flies around. I think they play with their hair on fire and they're, they're, you know, whistle to whistle, sideline to sideline. So this is a, this is a game that if Matt Jones, you know, has some, a few hiccups and gives up a ball or two or they put a couple of turnovers together, Mizzou, they could surprise some folks and, you know, Al, you know, Alabama is obviously going to be well coached, but first game out that you can't say they're going to be polished. So this could be one where Mizzou sneaks in there and beats it might not win, but might, might sneak in the point spread. 
Yeah, Missouri certainly has some talented defenders. I already mentioned Nick Bolton, who is probably my favorite watch this summer. I uh, compared him to Danny Trevathan with a little more thump. If you can imagine that, that's a pretty darn good football player. Kobe Whiteside, really talented defensive tackle. They've the one of the best pair of safeties in college football uh, coming back here too. So very talented defense. I agree that they might stay tough early. I just think eventually all those playmakers, Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith for Alabama, Najee Harris, I think they're going to kind of open the game up. Wanted to move into some NFL games and stick with the team that we've already talked about a little bit. David is very familiar with the Las Vegas Raiders, not the Oakland Raiders anymore. Taking on the New England Patriots. Don't have a line in this game for you, David, but just general thoughts. Do the Raiders have a chance here? Are the Raiders for real? We talked about it a little bit. Now he's facing a new uh, great coach. Obviously, just beat Sean Payton. Now he's taking on Bill Belichick. Do the Raiders have a chance here with Chucky leading them to victory? You know, I, I see it's a six-point favorite, I think, for uh, New England as the line and the over-unders of 47 and a half. I'm, you know, I, I, I can't jump on the Raider train as much as I want to with Bilicek being on the other sideline. I mean, I know Rick's going to jump all over me when he hears it because that's his pick to go to the Super Bowl, and I'm a Raider, and I know I'm a Raider. But, I mean, as much as I, I think their offense is going to, you know, step up and and deliver a great game, and Chucky's going in to avenge the Tuck game and everything, I think all the storylines are perfect for this. Um, I You know, I think New England's defense to me is showing – a lot of heart in what they're doing. They had six starters, not they all opted out. They're not there. And this, this young crew is really playing well. I think this is going to be under six points. I think this is going to be a field goal game. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's hard for me to pick. Okay. I'm picking the Raiders in a field goal game. I just talked myself into it because that ground and pound with, with Jacobs and the, the tight end, that's just uncoverable right now. And then Ruggs is just waiting to have a breakout and Renfro. I think that offense, you know, Carr settles up his footwork a little bit and boom, they're going to come, they're going to go to New England. They're going to take it. That offense certainly looked good yesterday. You talked about Darren Waller, the tight end, 12 catches, 100-something yards. Obviously a great day. Josh Jacobs, man, that is one of the rising stars in all of the NFL right now. He is an excellent running back. I like the pick, man, because I would at least pick him the cover, I think. Six points is a lot. I know it's the Patriots, but with how they're playing football right now, the Patriots, I know they kind of opened it up a little bit this past week, but I have to think that they're going to be their traditional you know, let's grind the game down a little bit. Let's slow the tempo. That's usually how New England Patriots win football games. I think the Raiders keep it close, and I think even if they lose, they're going to cover here. So I love that pick, David. Rams, Buffalo, Bills. We have the Los Angeles Rams versus Buffalo. I am obviously a Rams fan, so I'm going to defer to you to pick this game. I'll just say the Rams are hot right now. They just dismantled the Eagles. They won 37-19. to and that score was not nearly as close as the game um, actually was. That game was a most decisive victory. If you would have told me they would have won 47-6 to with how a lot of um, events transpired, I would have believed you. They completely outclassed the Philadelphia Eagles. Buffalo Bills are off to a, a really hot start as well. Josh Allen, another MVP candidate earlier or, uh, early in this season. I don't think he's thrown an interception yet. He's been very impressive so far. 
I do think that the Buffalo Bills have a couple linebackers, Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano, out for the game. So that is something to keep an eye on. David, I'm not going to pick this game. I'm going to let you start first. What are your general thoughts here? The Bills are not the Eagles, okay? Let's just put it there. The Bills are not the Eagles. The Bills' defense has been great. The Josh Allen has just been superb. Even last week when they got down, they, they got down to the Dolphins. He let them right back, got them a score. I mean, he's throwing again against the who? Who'd you say? Against the Dolphins. Oh, okay. All right. Just yeah. Again, don't get me wrong. I know who's coming to town. Mr. Donald is, is rushing the passer this week, but I think Buffalo's offensive line has been playing really sound. It's been playing really well. And I, and I think that Buffalo, again, it's in Buffalo. You're the you know Rams got to go back across country to play this game, and that's just always bad for the West Coast teams that have tried to do this. So for me, I like Buffalo in this game. I think um, you know when you really come down to it, it's going to be a great game. It's only I mean it's a basically it's a pick 'em in Vegas. It's a minus minus two for Buffalo, and the over under is forty eight. I think they're going to be an over, and I think it's going to be a field goal game or even. You know, one touchdown if 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 Buffalo's lucky, but Buffalo winds up figuring out a way to win this game. I love what Sean and and Bean are doing up there in Buffalo. I love how they're building the team. The Rams on obviously, you know, they're doing great things, but when it comes down to it, I really am impressed with what's going on with the Buffalo Bills right now. Their defense is stepping up to the plate. You know, their offense is is rolling. So for me, I'm going to take Buffalo, and I'm going to I'm going to say in a touchdown win because they've you know that offense has scored 31 points and 27 points. So you know that's going to be really hard for them not to uh, score another 27, 28 points here in this game too. I will say, David, I'm going to be a biased Rams fan until I have a reason not to be. The Rams look fantastic right now. Sean McVay is doing a wonderful job. Calling, calling the offense right now. The defense is swarming. I don't know if it's a great defense, but I think that it's a bend and break defense with the best defensive player in football. I'm taking the Rams here. Matt Milano, Tremaine Edmonds out for the game. I think the Rams' run game is going to be enough. That defensive secondary scares me to all hell for the Buffalo Bills. Those two safeties, Tredavious White at corner. I don't know if the Rams are going to be super successful in throwing the football, but with the two linebackers out, give me the Rams here in a ball control game, beating the Buffalo Bills. Last game we want to talk about on the NFL side of things, the New Orleans Saints, Green Bay Packers. New Orleans off of a, a, a tough defeat, to say the least. They were outclassed by the Raiders. Um, the offense did not come to play last night. New Orleans Saints lost 34-24. to Green Bay, again, scored over 40 points. They look like they are a, the real deal. Aaron Rodgers is playing great football. Aaron Jones, the running back for Green Bay, is playing great football. They have a lot of players on that defense that are playing great football. Looks like the Green Bay Packers might be an early Super Bowl favorite with how they are playing to at least get there. Uh, are you buying into the hype uh, on Green Bay, David, or do you think New Orleans has a bounce-back game here? You know, they got to go down and play in New Orleans, which is always tough. And, you know, New Orleans last night, I mean, I, they missed on some shots. Their defense just struggled to cover tight ends, and they struggled to cover and to stop the running game. Jacobs just was, again, mulling downhill. So I think they're going to see a lot of that out of Green Bay. I think Green Bay is going to have this one. 
and New Orleans really has to go shopping and try to figure out how to stop the run and, and how to cover a, a tight end. Because if they don't, I mean, the blueprint that John Gruden put together last night really showed how to ball control. I mean, there was, I want to say there was a few 9, 10, 12 play drives that they ball controlled down five yards at a time, just chopped wood, got down in the red zone, gave the ball to the running back or the, and, and then hit the tight end and boom, they won the game. You know, they stayed patient, they chopped wood, and they kept Drew Brees on the sidelines where where he couldn't beat them. So that's always the best recipe to when you're playing New Orleans is keep them on the sidelines. So if Green Bay doesn't score too fast and is able to ball control and chop wood down the field, I think Green Bay is going to wind up, you know, winning this game decisively. And I wanted to kind of touch on this before our panel came on, but let's talk about it now. New Orleans Saints, I texted it last night, right? Sean Payton did not give two Fs about wearing that mask. That made me so angry because at least Gruden, even though he's not doing it correctly, right? He's holding it down by his chin. He's not doing any better. At least he's like has it on where it makes it look like, hey, maybe he's just making a call. Maybe he's going to put it up. Sean Payton was like, I'm good. I'm good. We saw a lot of fines that were that were thrown out for the teams and the individuals um, today. And I think last night as well, there were a couple of fines thrown out there. Uh, just your general thoughts on that, David, because I have to tell you again, man, while I was watching Peyton on that sideline last night, Sean Peyton rubs me the wrong way a little bit to begin with. And then I saw him not even have an semblance of a mask near him at all. It, it pissed me off, to be honest. Well, what's really funny is your reaction. But um, I think five coaches got um, fined even before last night. I think overall it's six or seven now. Both Gruden and Sean got fined. And not only are the coaches getting fines of $100,000 each, but the clubs are getting fined $250,000 each. And this is because local ordinances are that they have to have these face covers on. The one thing that can shut NFL teams down and seasons down right now is these local health ordinances that aren't being followed and local businesses are being closed and aren't being able to open up because they can't um, have they're not they're not able to have the testing and the face coverings and everything that the NFL is able to have and then you see the NFL not doing it it's it's really a slap in the face of the local governments and you saw the strong letter the warning letter from Troy Vincent last week that Tom Pelissero put out on Twitter and everybody was talking about now we're seeing harsh fines you know, don't be surprised if you see some draft picks get pulled from some teams and they might start with a seventh round draft pick and work their way up for every time there's a violation on this rule. They're being and, you know, to the kudos of the, the league, they're they're taking the the ordinances very much to heart and they're trying to enforce them through fines. And again, it might become an, it's a situation where you're, you see some draft picks get pulled from teams eventually because. They're just, they're, you know, you got to take it serious, guys. The, the, the masks are not chin straps. You got to buckle them up. You got to wear them. And if you don't, if you don't like them on, be Andy Reid and put a face shield on, you know, and don't worry about the looks. Don't worry about how it goes. You know, be, be, a, be a leader. Be the leader we need you to be in society as well as on the team. 
and put your mask on. It's you can call a play through a mask. You know, I once flew from Arizona to Baltimore with a two hour layover in Dallas and I didn't remove my mask once until I got to the hotel room. It was over eight hours of travel and I wore it straight without removing it. And that was an N95 mask. What they're just wearing are just face shields really. And it's not N95 kind of level. So it's like, just put it on. I think like Joe judge did a really good job this weekend with his mask, but make sure your whole staff is, I mean, you get a get, a get back coach for the sidelines. Why not have a mask coach reminding everybody to keep their mask up? I mean, it, at the level of seriousness you take it will equal a finished season for the NFL, you know, and no interruption in play, not only just, and I, and I heard the argument the other morning, so it was like, well, these are guys that are all getting tested. They're already told they're, they're negative. What's the big deal? Because it's the law. The local health ordinances are keeping other people from opening their businesses. They're keeping the rest of society in their homes. So guess what? If other people have to do it, you have to do it too. And if they do start taking away draft picks, I guess the good thing for the New Orleans Saints and Sean Payton is they don't care about draft picks. So I I guess whatever, right? I I mean, I guess they're going to keep doing what they're doing. Uh, Last section we have coming up here is the mailbag. Before we do, for our athletes and agents listening this week, we know you're looking at all the injuries across the NFL and wondering how you can take advantage. Our question for you is this. What are you doing to distinguish yourself from the competition to claim that roster spot? At Maverick Sports Consulting, we offer several services to help you get in front of the NFL decision makers as they reassemble their rosters. Learn more about how we can help you at mavericksportsconsulting.com. Moving into the mailbag for this week, we had a couple uh, questions here. Thank you all again so much for submitting questions. We actually have one question that has like six questions inside of it. So we're going to work through these the best we can. I'm at Mark Jarvis, which is at what's on draft NFL. Thank you, Mark. I know you give us a weekly question. We really appreciate it. Question for us both. David said he loves big safeties and, and that it's a bias of his. So let's talk about times where bias burnt you. David, who are some big safeties that got you in trouble? Ryan, what style stylistic biases as an evaluator have you got burnt on? Well, you know, I I can't say I've been absolutely burned, but I've been overruled by veteran scouts before it really got affected in the in the room where I'd be like, man, this guy is, you know, phenomenal and I really like him and you know, yada yada. And then they would quickly point out some movement skills that he's lacking or production or ball skills or something that, you know, the, the young man might not have been um, very evident that he had. And and so therefore I got overruled before it really would get to the room. But, you know, liking big safeties to me, I found a guy out of Louisiana named Hiram Eugene, where he was a guy who came out in the supplemental draft. Nobody wanted him out of uh, the Raging Cajuns down there. And uh, he played more of like what we call now the Rover position. And we, uh, we took him and uh, worked him out in the training camp. I had to bring him like three times, but um, eventually he wound up winning the uh, winning a, a roster spot on practice squad. Uh, he outplayed guys that we had there for a year or two and we went, you know, he ultimately became a starting safety in the league. Um, him and Michael Huff back in the day, 
but it was a situation where I found this guy who nobody wanted, brought him in based on his height, weight, and speed, and it, and it worked out. And I know the question was where did I get burned, and I didn't really answer it, but that's my answer. David Turner's perfect. That's all you heard there. Michael <laughs> Huff reference. I haven't heard Mar- Michael Huff's name in a long time. I love that one, David. Um, two, there's two things that popped out to me when I saw the question earlier. One is linebackers with incredible instincts that may be somewhat limited athletically. I always I fall for those guys, man, that are consistent run fit players, have great instincts, they're always in the right spot. The one guy that comes to mind that I fell for a few years ago, and maybe you remember him, David, because he's a West Coast guy as well. Uh, University of Arizona had a linebacker named Scooby Wright. Oh, yeah, I know Scooby. With the greatest name of all time. He Nothing he did on that Arizona defense was translatable to the next level. They would put him down at defensive end on third downs to rush the pass. One year he had like 160 tackles, like 30 tackles for loss, 15 sacks or something. And he was undersized, didn't have a ton of length, wasn't very athletic. But I convinced myself, I was like, Dude, he's gonna he's gonna transcend his limitations. That dude is good. I'm telling you, Scooby Wright is good. Scooby Wright was not good. <laughs> so, contrary to popular part. belief, his limitations caught up with him at the next level. Yes, and with this ever evolving passing league that values playing in space, Scooby Wright did not last very long. I think he was drafted by the Arizona Cardinals. Did not last very long. One other position that for me, I've really learned this one um, through just, you know, just constantly reevaluating how I used to value the position. And that was defensive end. I was a sucker for the technicians and I overlooked, and by all accounts, I overlooked how important athletic traits were for the defensive end position. So one guy that absolutely fooled me when I think of that, that technician on the edge was Derek Barnett coming out of Tennessee a few years ago. That is now with the Philadelphia Eagles. I was convinced he's a top 10 player. I bought into the sacks. You know, he broke Reggie White's sack record while at the University of Tennessee. I was like, dude, I don't care if he's six two and a half, 260 pounds, sloppy build, not that athletic. I don't care. Derek Barnett's the truth. Derek Barnett has turned into an okay player for the Eagles, but he is not good. He's very average, very average player. So this year, I almost got fooled again with Curtis Weaver coming out of Boise State. I pulled myself off of Curtis Weaver near the tail end of the draft process. Um, kind of put a mid-round grade on him after kind of having somewhere near a second-round grade early on in the process. Kind of fell back. And if there's one lesson I've learned over the last couple of years, is just how important that length and athleticism on the edge, on that edge, on that defensive end, how important that is. So defensive ends, uh, technicians that lack physical traits, and linebackers that are te- are great instinctive players but might lack also athletic traits. Those are kind of been my peccadillos as far as an evaluator that I have learned a lot from over the last couple of years. Well, you are a lot more forthcoming than my answer was. <laughs> I know. I actually was honest. Can you believe it? Honest? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, we got to own our misses, right, David? That's how we get better, right? Yeah, no, that's yeah. exactly. You learn from your mistakes and you move on. Absolutely. Another person that gives us a question every week, it's at Jay Blaze NYC, Jonathan Green. He has several parts here. I want to rephrase a couple questions here. 
So the first one is Mac Jones, uh, the quarterback for Alabama. Uh, I don't know how much you've seen of Mac, David, besides, you know, just maybe a couple games in the latter stages of, la- of the 2019 season, but he wants to know if Mac Jones loses his job by week six, and there is some talk about that happening. They have a, a kid named Bryce Young, who's a true freshman quarterback that's supposed to be the real deal. If he loses his his job during week six or just in the middle of the season in general, he ha- uh, will he have enough tape to still verify maybe a sixth round grade or a late day three grade? Um, so I'm going to start here with you, David, just because I'm going to phrase it a little differently. So if you see a quarterback that maybe has, he's talented, but maybe there's a guy just waiting in the wings and he loses his job. Does that affect your opinion on him as far as the evaluation at all? Yeah, absolutely. Like when I was getting ready to be, when I was getting ready, my, my interviews, um, stuff to be a general manager, one of them is I write up all my my qualifications for every position, so therefore the organization would know how I'm judging each and every position in order to um, to bring them into the organization. One of the biggest ones is, you know, for quarterback, I want a guy who's like a three year starter. You know, I want a guy who's a captain of the team for two years. I want a guy who's you know done it, been through the wars, been a natural leader. You know, otherwise. You can, you know, you can think of them maybe as a backup or something as an undrafted free agent. You take a flyer on, but you know, one time I was having a conversation with Bruce Gronkowski and uh, at the Raiders building, and he was like, you know, I don't mean to be mean, but I feel like if I was playing, we would we would be winning, you know, more games than what we are winning. And and I looked at him. I said, if you didn't feel that way, I'd cut you right now. Which I knew I didn't have the power to cut him because Mr. Davis would have been like, "Who who are you cutting, son?" But you know, at the same time, it's a situation where it's like if you don't have at that position a competitive individual who's going to be the alpha in the room, what are you really gaining? Because they you know they need to go into that huddle like Joe Montana, you know, and Tom Brady, and when they bark out a call, everybody pays attention, snaps too, and let's go perform for this player. If you don't have that. You know, if you get beat out in college, how are you going to not get beat out in the NFL level? That's fair enough. And you know, my favorite part about doing these podcasts together, David, is I always get a blast from the past. Mr. Bruce Gradkowski, Toledo, great. I love it, man. I love the mentions there. Last part of Jonathan's question. I'm also going to rephrase this one a little differently. He's asking about hindsight being 2020. How bad of a decision is it for guys like Travis Etienne, Chuba Hubbard, Najee Harris? They're all running backs returning to school this year. Obviously, nobody knew. You know, we're still working through it this time of uncertainty. Nobody knew what would happen with everything COVID nineteen related, right? So I'm not going to put that um, put that you know on them, right? They they didn't they didn't know all the facts, and they are not fortune tellers. They don't know what's happening in the future. I will say, and this is a highly debated topic, David, and I would definitely love your input here. I always hear, and I do believe in this, so you might disagree, you might not, that running backs with the shelf life that they have, as early as you can get into the league, you go. That is my opinion. I know that some people will disagree with that fact. With the ability to get to that second contract, such an incredibly hard thing for the shelf life of an average running back, Trying to get there as soon as you can with a relatively young age, I think, is very advantageous to you. What are your thoughts on running backs leaving early as possible 
for the NFL dream. I think anybody leaving early really has to do their homework and has to get evaluated and have a true evaluation and unbiased evaluation on where they're going to go. You can't, and I'm not trying to be mean here, but you can't just trust an agent that read some press press clippings to know where you're going. And, you know, again, the NFL advisory board to me is they're advising with a bias as well, because if they know you're not a top 10 pick, they're just going to cover their butt and say, don't come out. You know what I mean? Because they don't want to advise you to come out and then you don't get drafted and it's all a problem for them. And it becomes a, the advisory boards misleading players to come out early and all that. So I think, you know, you have to really do your homework and do your math, kind of like what, what Mark Sanchez did when he was coming out early at USC, he did the math and he realized there was only two real quarterbacks coming out in that draft class. And if he came out, he had a chance to beat one out to be number two off the board, or at worst he's number three. And there was enough teams in the top 15 that needed quarterbacks. So he was like, I'll be gone by pick 12 if I come out. So he sat, he did the di- he digested the draft boards, the needs for the teams that were picking up front, and he was able to make the right decision when he came out. He wound up, I believe, was the number two quarterback off the board, went to the Jets, you know, and had a had a good had a good career, made a lot of money. Now he's on pot, you know, or he's uh, you know, doing his thing as an announcer and stuff. So you gotta just look at you gotta do the evaluations and for the running backs to come back like I agree. If you can get to school early and cut, get out early to save to save your legs and the and the the mileage on your legs, absolutely. Because guys like I think Giovanni Bernard are already on his third contract, and he came out at like twenty one years old, and now he's already on his third contract. So you know you you want to come out as early as you can, especially in today's day and age where a first round a first round contract is basically five years and anything from two to four is four years. And then they can still franchise tag you for a year. So that makes the first round contracts almost six years. And if you come out at 22, now you're 28 before you get a chance to really negotiate for your money and, and really put your career and everything in place. And the, like you said, the stigma of a 30 year old running back is one in which a lot of teams don't invest a lot of money into. So therefore, you know, the earlier you can come out, definitely come out, but don't just do it because of your age. Make sure you're going to get drafted. Make sure, you know, because that first contract might be the only contract you ever see. You know, the the average lifespan of an NFL player is 3.3 years. And, you know, 80% of players are done before the 3.3 years. So don't think you can just come in and make it happen um, and you're going to get that second contract just because you're 22 years old, do your homework, make sure you're making the right decision for yourself. And I want to thank real quick, the people, the followers on our Twitter live here again, every Tuesday night, eight 30 Eastern time, we go live. We still have some people following along with us. We thank you all so much for the live follow. Uh, the, of course the podcast will be dropped on anything that you can get a podcast on, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anything, Mavs Sports Take will be alive to you all tomorrow, 3 o'clock Eastern Time, 12 o'clock on the West Coast. Make sure to check it out if you missed any part of the live show tonight. want to thank or the panel that we had on 
tonight. Mr. Quinton Ganther, who is a running back coach now for Weber State, former Utah standout NFL running back. We had James Kirtland on again, director of player personnel at the University of Illinois. Talk about the state of football, what is happening in their world. It was awesome just to hear from them so much. We want to thank, of course, you all for giving you uh, giving us some mailbag questions to get through tonight. I want to thank my partner in crime here, David Turner, and give him an opportunity for a parting shot. David, as always, man, I thought it was a great episode, and I enjoyed every second of it, digging into some more football with you. No, I always enjoy our, our nights together and taping this and, and doing Friday Night Scout School, which I hope people shine up for this week because we are launching into past concepts. And like I was telling you earlier when we were working on that, I was like, dude, I, these are the types of classes that get me so excited because you hear what the term West Coast offense, vertical offense, spread offense. And you know what? We're going to teach you what all those terms mean. So if you want to go to a deeper level of knowledge on offenses in the NFL and college level, come join us this Friday night. Get a taste of what we're, what we're all about, not only on Mav Sports Take, but you'll hear the wealth of knowledge my partner has as a coach and a former, uh, college football player and myself as a scout that we can really teach you what these terms mean. So next time you're at a Super Bowl party, you you really sound like the genius in the room. And the last thing I'd like to say though, is my heart goes out to the seven players that tore their ACLs this week. I mean, being honest and, and Frank, as everybody might know who follow me, I'm really a big proponent of preparing people for the success that they're about to take on Usually in the NFL preseason, we see pitch counts for these starters, but they get an opportunity to, you know, get banged around a little bit, get their body used to the contact. And now we're losing star power because we didn't have any preseason. The limitation on contact, I think the Colts only put full pads on three times and the Chargers maybe six. So they didn't really go full contact all out. And we're seeing what I call the equivalent of a drag race uh, without a burnout happen right now and people are popping tires left and right and i i really feel the next few weeks we're going to see more um more injuries to bigger name players and the nfl will lose some star power without the proper preseason and training and offseason that we we usually have and it's a shame and it's sad because these guys are elite athletes and they're going to lose a season and guys like Shaq um Barkley, it's just, you know, second year in a row with a lower body injury on such a young, talented player, um, you know, and, and a great young man, and as well as all of them. I'm not just pointing him out. They're all great and, and well. I, I just put my heart out to those guys right now because it, they're put in a really tough, adverse situation and they're they're hurt now and they're, they're watching it from the sidelines. Yeah, another instance of a short-term fix versus long-term outlook there. I want to thank you all again for following along with us tonight. Friday Night Scout School this Friday night, 9 Eastern time, as David said, talking some passing game. Uh, We're going to talk from a lot of different layers. We're going to talk about where soft spots are, defenses, why we're attacking them this specific way, why, why these concepts work. We are digging in. Make sure you like, share, and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. I am at Rise, the letter N, Draft. And David is at Mav underscore sports. We thank you all so much again. And we look forward to talking to you all again next week. Same time, same place. Thanks for listening to another episode of Mav Sports Take. 
connect with us on social media, share your thoughts on today's episode, and tell us what we should take on next time on Mav Sports Take. Want more from our hosts, David and Ryan? Visit maverick.sportsconsulting.com and learn how we can help you take the next step in your sports career. Until next time, this is Mav Sports Take. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.